Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. And welcome to another episode of the Youthscape podcast. In fact, the final episode in this season, which we've called Renew Normal. I'm Martin Saunders and with me as ever, the wonderful Rachel Gardner. Hello, Rachel. Hello. I've got a title for our new season. So, you know, this season's been called, been called Renew Normal. And I think, mm-hmm. was our last season called New Normal? That's right. I think it was. So I've got a title for the next our next season because we're going to be doing it in person, aren't we? We've got a date in the diary yes. that I am coming to Luton. So I I think because none of us have been dressing very appropriately or or very kind of professionally, we've all slobbed out a bit. We're going to call the new season Renew Formal. <laughs> Renew Formal. Actually, learning how to like operate in the world. So it's not going to be about youth ministry at all. It's like. Yeah, how do you get up and do your teeth? And, how, you know, making sure that you're the self-care. So that's what we're going to do. I'm so excited about it. We've got some great guests lined up. I don't know, actually. <laughs> Does that mean when you come into the studio, you won't be, like, wearing a T-shirt that you've been wearing for three days and basically go, I'm a bit of a minger, which is what I think in the past our <laughs> podcast days have been a bit like. Yeah, they have been a little bit like that, yeah. But I, I can't wait. So this is this is very exciting because it's the final episode of this season, which has been a great season. And as per usual, although we do spend many, many hours in contemplative prayer and fasting, planning everything, you know, still seasons go where seasons will go. We've had some really interesting twists and turns, a bit like Call of Duty, Line of Duty, whatever it's called. (laughs) Uh, But uh, next season, um, who knows what it's going to be? So people, this is really exciting that you've joined joined us for the last of this one. Who knows where it goes from here? So Rachel, do you want to talk about Call of Duty or Line of Duty? Because they're very different, but we've only got time to talk about one. <laughs> and I do know that they have very different PG ratings. Yes. Can we talk about the Line of Duty, though, please? Yes, but no spoilers, because the last episode will have just... Now, we're recording this just before the big finale. We're... And no one knows which way... where it's going to go, by the way, can I say at this point. It's very... It's, it's like one of those moments in culture where you're before a big thing in in culture comes out so um so yes yeah, so we can't we can't do any spoilers also producer amy is only on season three so she's made it very clear she doesn't want any spoilers at all but uh but within a non-spoilery way line of duty has just taken over the not the entire nation but a good chunk of the adult population are just obsessed yes. with it aren't they Yes, and I am also obsessed, not only with watching it once a week, but also listening to podcasts that I'm obsessed. And actually, one of the points that was made, which I thought was fascinating, was in this day and age of Netflix, where you can just stream anything, going back to a world where the whole nation is waiting for 9pm on Sunday night, Mm. and it's given us rhythm and purpose in a world where nothing has to happen at a certain time. And that's interesting, because I listened to that, and I thought to myself, Martin, one of the big conversations the national church has engaged with recently is if you put all your content online people don't then need to access at a certain time doesn't matter anymore they can just access church when they want and yet the entire nation pretty much apart from maybe my mum who doesn't watch it but everybody else is really wanting a rhythm 
9 p.m. Sunday night, line of duty. So that's that right. says something interesting about our psyche as humans, isn't it's it? It's literally the only thing that people still watch as a sort of appointment to view. Apart from live sport or something like that, it's the only thing you watch live. And, of course, there will be some people listening to this who are now shaking their... I, I imagine suddenly people listening to this on a wireless, and clearly they don't. So let's say they're shaking their maracas. Um, but they're listening to this, and they're furious, and they're saying, why is everyone always going on about... Line of Duty. This is the new Game of Thrones. Why are people talking about something I don't watch? I don't care. And our message to you is, you're wrong. It's brilliant. You need to watch it. <laughs> and you need oh, your instinct. No, yeah, I mean, instinct. Sorry, I, I have to say, I, I it's a love-hate for me because I do find, I mean, I love the characters, but I find the script quite clunky and the acting quite wooden. And I, I don't, that sounds a bit like, meh, meh. But, um, no. but I think there's something about it that it's not, you don't watch it because it's the best piece of, well, I think you don't watch it because it's the best piece of drama. Like West Wing is like mm. hands down, best script, best acting. And I do love the actors. They're great actors. I mean, Kelly McDonald is saying no comment for 10 minutes, does it extraordinarily amazingly. But there's, mm. some, there's something about it that's zeitgeisty. That's why it works. It's not just that it's a police cop show, mostly filmed in one take in a glass room. There's, mm. there's something else going on. What is it, Martin? Well, what is I'm the glad. Thing? I'm glad you asked me that because you're right. On paper, sitting and watching a 29 minute interview between some police officers, where one of them isn't even answering the questions, is it, it just doesn't make any sense that that would be, you know, in a world where they've, they've, they, you know, this is a world where they have cut the intros to music, so you know pop songs so that the words come in straight away because people were too kind of too restless to listen to an intro so why does that work well i'm glad you asked me i don't have the answers but i i know a man who does yes and Jesus. so no uh close joe hartrop yes. uh oh, so yeah, joe hartrop has written a really brilliant article about line of duty which is on the youthscape website you can find it just by going to the, the homepage youthscape.co.uk and um, and it, it was a sort of a weird one because he said, can I write an article on line of duty, please? He sort of he actually felt like he needed to come to the top brass um, at, at that point and ask whether he could do it because it was such a weird thing to write an article about. But we we thought it was a brilliant idea because actually, even if young people and they aren't really, even if young people aren't watching line of duty, all the youth workers I know are. And I think the reason why and again, I'm just borrowing massively from Joe here and you should read the article but I think the big reason why we're so obsessed with it is because it's not just about the battle between good and evil but it's the it's the sense that there is huge corruption in our institutions and there even though they are fighting against you know all the odds there is this select band of good people who will stop at nothing to make sure that the light breaks through and that is the appeal of line of duty and it's and it speaks into a world where we have like we've slightly lost our faith in in any you know in politics and businesses and the whole system of capitalism and also you know even things like the police you know people are asking serious questions about so it's it's holding a kind of mirror up to to all of that stuff i think it's yeah it's incredibly powerful because we deeply carry these fears around with us that that actually all is not well in institutions. There's a quite a prophetic role then, isn't there, that these sorts of sort of public 
TV things. So, so Jed Mercurio, is that the name yeah. of the producer, the writer? Yeah. So nobody quite knows how we're going to end. And everyone listens to this now. We now know how it ends. So my hunch is that Ted Hastings is going to go out with a, in a blaze of glory as the hero. Because so my desperate fear is that at the end of all of this, Ted... My fear is that somehow Ted is the mastermind, the evil mastermind behind it. Or I can't, Im- I can't imagine. I can't imagine that is. But could you imagine the impact on our psyche and our cynicism if actually the one person we trust is the one evil mastermind? So there's quite a prophetic role that a writer plays because how how they resolve that story, mm. what they, who wins that story is more than just, oh, that was a good show. It's like, well, actually, this says something quite profound into our psyche about does good win? Does right, mm. does justice win? And, and the fight between, and if, if it's a world where there's no God, it's one of the myths of secularism is the myth of the kind of the shared moral framework that mm. somehow without religion, we all have this shared idea of what's right or wrong. Now that's a complete myth, but it's a myth that's really pervasive in culture that we don't need a God to tell us so that we know what's right or wrong. Mm. And that's and so it's really interesting. So this is a program that's trying to wrestle with that and uh, yeah, so anyway, actually, the young people at Preston Minster are completely obsessed with lines. Not not the younger ones, but these sort of sixteen pluses, absolutely Brilliant. obsessed. Wow! So I think there's an interesting uh, way you can you can sort of transfer that conversation into the church because the church is a another institution where there have been just huge breaches of trust, um, you know, and we don't take that lightly. Um, but 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 actually, you know, there would be an interesting discussion to have about what would a an AC12 look like in 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 the church, J, JC12. In fact, it's been christened because there was a big there was a big Twitter conversation. When I say a big Twitter conversation, I mean it involved twelve people. But um, <laughs> about what it would look like for us to star in our own version of Line of Duty, but where we hunt bent um, te- televangelists. And I, <laughs> I don't know about you, Rachel. I'm absolutely itching to make that show. <laughs> You've been taking them out all your life. You just want like an organisation around you facilitating that. I mean, that, that is your that is your shadow mission, anyway, isn't it? That's what you Maybe do. Maybe that that is my calling. I'll let, to, just to bring that back on topic, because yes. I think it is interesting when you you know we, what we are really obsessed with is helping young people to know the transformational love of Jesus. Wow, look how I, I did that. And actually, one of the big barriers and stumbling blocks to that is their perception of church as one of these institutions, like the ones we talked about, that might be, that might have some level of corruption. And I wonder how genuinely, like, we we deal with that as youth leaders. Like, we can't ignore the fact that, um, we don't want to draw attention to it in one sense, but we also can't ignore the fact that young people are coming up against um messaging around church in culture i bet in re lessons you know where they hear the the dark side of what goes on in churches and they're asked to think about that and engage with that you know i wonder what our role is as youth workers in helping them see that that is that is a fact but it's not the whole story and i I suppose again this is a conversation to have with our young people isn't it in our church settings because i I think when I was growing up in church, there I would abs- there would still have been stories doing the rounds of um, you know stuff that that church leaders would have got up to, but it wouldn't have ever been in the church that I was in. Mm. And I think so. There's a sense in which well, that 
it feels a little bit aloof. So although the older I've got, the more I've realised the significance of that and how tragic that is. And as a teenager, I'd have said that's not okay, but I wouldn't have necessarily thought, therefore, I'm not going to be part of my congregation that I feel really loved and supported by. So the difference with social media is that suddenly all of those stories become front page news in all of our lives, Mm. don't they? Mm. Um, and, And also the messaging within culture is, a sort of an, it's a new puritanism. So although rightly injustice absolutely has to be uh, spoken out against, we've got to get anti-oppressive practices. It's really important the church not only uses her voice to say that, but also you know, we clean out our house. Um, but I, I wonder if in a culture that there's a new puritanism, which is the loudest voices on social media are right. Mm. How, how do we help young people how do we help with things like we all need to be forgiven and to be restored? What? How do we deal with injustice? How? You know, there's so many complex places that mm. it all intersects, isn't there? And I think what's I would say what's more damaging for a young person and for me and for you is a church where there has been obvious criminality, abuse of mm. trust, mm. and then there doesn't seem to be any redemption or restoration or genuine repentance or mm. there doesn't seem to be any changes. It just looks like business as usual. I think that's mm. that's really damaging, isn't it? That people just get away with it. That's and I think that's a narrative that's tough. Yes, they either get away with it or they are thrown out into the outer dark, never to be seen again. And there is no restoration. So I think we struggle um On the one hand, there are those situations where people just seem to get away with it. On the other hand, we just struggle with kind of Peter's, uh, Jesus's treatment of Peter, which is like very shortly after a really awful betrayal and a massive moral failure. You know, okay, come back. I love you. You know, we struggle with that. We struggle with, obviously, we struggle with grace, don't we? Because it doesn't make any sense. But um, uh, I think we struggle with both ends to find a sort of a, a Jesus-y happy medium, um, which isn't surprising because it's not Jesus. Yeah. Um, Rachel, we um, we are actually going to stop talking about Line of Duty now. Um, we have been talking this season about renewing normal. And just in recent, in the last week for you and I in our own youth work practice, we have renewed normal. Yeah. Uh, actually... <laughs> We've actually yes. been seeing young people face to face again. So how has it been in Preston oh, for you with young people? So good. So good. So exciting. I've got the spike ball game back out. Yeah, it felt like a big explosion of joy. We um we don't have a massive youth ministry at Preston Minster, but they've they have been a little crew of young people that have been consistent. We had some new people come as well, which is amazing. It's always exciting. But they've been quite a solid little band of of young people that have that have rocked up to most stuff, they've been an absolute joy to be with them. We've we've lost sight with some of them, and that's we've got to work mm. hard at recovering those relationships. But um, what was so beautiful is we had those doors at the church that you know, open magically when somebody gets close to them. One of those doors, and I, they were like, Rach, what do you want to do tonight?" So I was I was doing the preach, little teach bit, and I was like, "Can I be on the door and like check and um, track, track and trace and check them in?" And I, as I walked towards the door, I just saw under the lights that they were waiting at 7pm it's getting a bit dark I saw this little gaggle of young people just waiting the other side so I, I got down on my hands and knees and crawled towards them and the door opened and I was like yeah and they are like you're so weird and I was like no but I love you so it was just a lot it was a lovely moment of them waiting rather than be like are you coming tonight so really exciting I'm going to have time of sung worship together behind our masks 
Um, and, and we did a few things that we've done before that just felt, and we prayed for each other and we, you know, we observed social distancing and we, we did all the mitigations, but it just felt like an acceleration of the things that we've been mm. you know, trying to do during lockdown. And I think the leaders just a sigh of relief. And we announced you know, this Friday is going to be our last online Friday night. From now on, we're going to be meeting in person and we're doing an um, outdoor cinema. That's our, that's our first social. So last night was the kind of the worship and uh, uh, sort of discipleship growth stuff. So our first social is an outdoor cinema. So we're so excited. Get ah! oh, you. Yeah. Well, oh, we're having to think creatively, slow, aren't we? I, I don't know if I don't know if everyone else is 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 facing the same thing. But like I, I we're running some uh, youth work tonight, and I I am really really struggling to find appropriate activities, things that will hit them at the right level, but also, you know, be fun and entertaining and memorable and make them want to come back next time, but also just beckon them into a bit more depth. I think I just want to recognise before I say the good things, that is just so hard. And I, I hope other people, you know, um, draw some perverse encouragement from the fact that we yeah. are saying this. Yes. It's, it's, <laughs> it's just really hard to find in this weird no man's land between, you know, online youth work, which many people yes. are still doing, yes. and, uh, you know, normal face-to-face -face youth work where we can gather around the pool table and, you know, uh, throw sausages at each other um, or, or whatever you did. Um, you know, that, that, that this new, no man's land is really hard to navigate and it's hard to find things that fit that. So, yeah, we had our first week back last week. I did think about doing because I had them all gathered in the car park outside yeah. at two meter intervals, looking very anxious and nervous about what, what they were going to walk into. And, uh, and I, as I came to those doors, I did think about doing the Gene Wilder bit from the start of Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory where he, you know, he, he, when he, he kind of goes up as an old man with a walking stick and then he falls over and then he does a forward roll. But I realized that I, I would probably break my own, break my own neck. So I didn't, I didn't do it, but it was in my head. Um, we found we found that we probably are about forty percent down in terms of how many young people we had um, in March twenty twenty to how many came back that first week. It was good, you know. It was in some ways it was great to have people back to, together again. There was an excitement about it. It was weird having year seven because oh, they've yes. never like I've never met them. That was weird. Um, so yeah. I still don't know what their faces look like because they were all behind masks. Um, and then, you know, there's a year that's gone. There's a, a year yes. 13 that's graduated. I know. I know. And, uh, and it, was, it was good, but also there is a real sense of like, every, we see everything through a glass darkly at the moment, don't we? It's, it's all yes. not quite yes. as we want it to be. So I loved it. Like you, it was great to have them back together again. There were some real high moments, but also... I just want to acknowledge that it's still hard. It's still, oh, why can't yeah. we just get back to normal? I think you're right, Martin. I think young people take their lead from us, don't they? So I, I totally back you that we, we're going to be feeling, oh, there's all these things I can't do. But but actually, let's lead into lean into what it is that we are doing. And I, I did notice that last night. Like, we had no refreshments. We had so many things we couldn't do, but not a single one of them mentioned it. They were, they'd all stopped at Mackie D's beforehand and were really, really happy to, to be in their beloved space that they just really enjoy. So I think lean, lean into what you can do and, and build up from there. Because through lockdown, Martin, you and I have been saying quite a lot 
um, maybe this will help us realize that actually, you know, young people do just want relationships with a safe adult that listens mm. to them and mm. cares. So, so now is the time to kind of really cash, cash that check, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I do feel encouraged. There's lots of reasons to feel encouraged. We had a, a young person who I've never met before who, who, who came for the first time. And within seconds of meeting her, you were like, oh, my gosh, like you are an absolute firebrand, like you are going to change the world and you love and you love Jesus. And you just rocked up at my youth group. And, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, the potential and the excitement around around that one young person. And I get excited about all the young people. But 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 there was something about like that one individual that was she was just like this little flickering light of hope. Um, about the future, which which felt really encouraging. So, um, and she's only year seven, so I've got like six years of her or something. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm spending quite a bit of time with um, church leaders across Blackpool and Porton and the Northwest here. And Ooh. I've I've noticed if you've noticed this, but I've noticed I know lots of people listening to this are youth workers. You are volunteers. You've been in the biz for a bit. Uh, maybe you're employed, but I'm spending quite a bit of time with church leaders that don't have volunteers running youth ministry they don't have employed workers but and lots and lots and lots are saying now is our window as church begins to reopen to not restart the stuff that just was never any good for young people anyway um you know to kick kick even song to into the grass well i mean even song is fabulous and many young people love even song but where it's become this kind of like two people go to it and actually it's taking like, too many resources so i i was i don't know where that's going to lead us because mm. i wonder if some church some of these churches might have families and young people walking into them and they're yeah. not expecting that they're expecting death and doom and it is pretty bleak but um yeah i wonder how well, we can capture some of those stories well the other the other thing that that makes me think is maybe we don't all have our own equivalent of this but i've got this group that i inherited that just doesn't work and it's been part of the church's kind of framework for youth and children's provision for such a long time that you just couldn't challenge ever stopping this thing and actually a year and a half off has got us to the point where we've realized that no no one missed it no one ever said let's do a virtual version of that and so um i've just remembered my vicar listens to this so this may be um this may get me into trouble but anyway it, this this does this season does create an opportunity to to close down things that aren't working so that you can make space for things that will so i'm excited about that sorry Sorry, Richard, if you're listening. <laughs> There's one church in Blackpool and I visited the vicar and she said to me, we just have not had, you know, children's ministry, youth ministry in her four years of being there. I said, do you have teenagers that come into the church? She's like, oh, yeah, we're on a housing estate. That any time this building is open, I have eight to 13 year olds just wandering in. And I was like, that's your youth group. That, yeah. That's them. So I think these children and young people that are often in church is like, well, they rock up while we're doing the flowers or they, they pop in and there's not a service. I think I'm excited that there's a little bit of a shifting of our hearts towards mm. these young people that we've just missed desperately. And we know mm. they've suffered a lot during COVID. And I, so I'm quite excited that at, at young people. I'd love to say to every teenager, if ever you need you know, a cup of tea and someone to listen to, wander into a church I realize there's a safeguarding issue around that as well but yeah I just would love young people to come out of lockdown thinking oh well there's a church that are like gearing themselves up for for supporting us so yeah anyway anyway enough of that now I um 
I like to think of um, the work of Youthscape Luton as a bit of a centre of excellence. I can say that because, and we can say that because we, we don't volunteer there at the moment. So we don't actually work you know, there, do we? <laughs> we, we well, yeah, yeah, I've been to Luton recently. It's lovely. But, um, but, but we're not part of that team. So, um, so we, we can kind of um, really big them, up. Mm. big them up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so the, the local team in Luton have been doing some brilliant stuff um, at Youthscape Towers over the last year and a half. And they're just moving now into a new season of that so in our final episode of this renew normal um season we thought we would uh, visit the center of excellence yes. uh, and so uh, this is is me in conversation with our assistant director of the local work Gemma milligan Gemma. You uh, are the engagement manager at Youthscape uh, in uh, Luton and also the assistant director of our local work. Is that, have I, I sort of managed to capture your job title there? <laughs> I think so, yeah. I'm assistant director, but I oversee engagement and a few other different bits and pieces. So, yeah, that sounds about right. Close enough. Um, Close enough. So I've got a ridiculous job title, so I like to point out other people's ridiculous job titles whenever I can. <laughs> um, so, you've been involved in. Uh, youth work on the ground uh, in Luton uh, at, at and around Youthscape's HQ where we record this podcast in normal times. Yeah. Um, and uh, and have, you, have you sort of, you've pretty much done it the whole way through. Have you had any time when you've been on furlough? I was on furlough very briefly for, um, I think, like two and a half days a week for a month or something like that. A so, yeah, bit. for a little bit, yeah. Okay. But but pretty much you've you've been involved in this whole 14 months now, I think it, it, it probably yeah. something like that. I mean, it's a very hard question, but how how have you done with it yourself? Just in yourself, how have you coped with the last year or so of, of lockdown and restrictions and all that stuff? You know, from a youth worker, as a youth worker, but also just as a person. Yeah, that's a great question. It's It's been very mixed, I'd say. I think there's been some definite difficult moments and disappointing moments and there's also been some really good moments I think and so yeah I think um, as a youth worker it's been difficult at times obviously not being able to see young people face to face quite a lot of the time has been really challenging and um, I think when when you are a youth worker and you know that's like your main job and you spend so much time with young people to not get to do that really for like a whole year is is really difficult because you kind of start to question okay what what am I doing like what am I doing with my life <laughs> um so that's been interesting um and obviously we've tried lots of different ways to engage young people throughout this time but I think yeah not being in front of them face to face has been challenging um but I think for me personally it's been yeah, it's been up and down. I've had some good times. I've really, I guess, enjoyed a bit more of a slow pace of life. Um, yeah, I think things slowing down a little bit, not rushing around quite so much, obviously not having so many social things to be able to go to and things like that. I have enjoyed the time to spend more time with God and I have also been really fortunate in the sense that I've been um, when we could bubble because I'm a single person household. So when we could bubble with another household, I've bubbled with my parents and they live really close. And so I've really felt that my relationship with them has 
strengthened during this time. So that's been a really positive. So yeah, it's been very mixed. Um, very, very mixed. But I have really enjoyed spending a lot more time with God. And I feel like I've really deepened in my relationship with him. So that's been a real positive. Well, I, I want to talk about that. Because I, one of the stories that we hear, one of the narratives we're hearing over the the sort of the last year is that people have have noticed a bit of a faith a widening faith gap so some young people for example like losing uh, you know touch with their faith a little bit especially if they're not coming from a christian home but also adults you know not going to church seeing this as an opportunity since church is online to uh, not watch it live maybe watch it on demand maybe just skip one week two weeks a whole season of church uh, and so um uh, you know, you are talking about an opposite story there. So I'd love to hear what that's actually looked like for you to grow in your relationship with God this year. Well, um, I've got because I've had more time on my hands, I suppose. I think um, I've really got into reading the Bible more this year. Um, I've started kind of, yeah, getting a lot deeper into that, becoming a little bit of a Bible geek, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> so I've, yeah, I've been reading the bible more i've been doing a bible reading plan with um the bible project which is yeah. kind of have you heard of them yeah, yeah of course yeah. yeah they're brilliant yeah so i've been doing a bible reading plan with them and i think for me what's really kind of i guess held me through this time has been when i've been reading the bible from the perspective of not just taking like little bits and pieces but actually reading it more as a whole story and kind of thinking about the fact that God is at work all the time and he has a plan for the entire world. Um, and kind of reading the story of the Bible from that perspective and being like, okay, well, if God has a plan and he's got a purpose and he knows what he's doing, which of course we know, but he knows what he's doing. He's He's ruler of all, he's, he's king of kings. And um, if that's the case, then what we're going through right now, yes, it's challenging. Yes, it's been difficult at times. Um, Yes, there's been ups and downs, but God is in control and he does have a plan. And I think for me, that's been that's been really helpful. And it's been something that I've really held on to. And kind of through that, it's prompted me to pray a lot more um, and to kind of, I guess, talk about the situation and talk about what's been happening with friends and people who are kind of, yeah, also wanting to seek God more in this time. So, yeah, it's been it's been amazing, actually. Yeah, well, that's good. And I and I want to labour this point because I've had exactly the same experience. Mm. So I am I'm a lot older than you, Gemma. And uh, it's taken me are, <laughs> it's taken me until, you know, my let's say early 40s. Let's call it my early 40s <laughs> to um, uh, to get to the point actually where I've I've had a consistent year of of really studying the Bible on a daily basis like this. And like you, I've found it's led me into prayer and it's led me into worship and it's made sense and a context for everything that's going on. And I, I say that not because I think I want us to sound like sort of spiritual superheroes at this point. I think this should be the standard. And I wish I had been at this standard in normal time when I, when I was really busy. I wish I'd made time every day to get into God's word because it, it sets the platform for everything else you do. And so I do think we need to be shouting about this, like uh, it, like it's some clever new discovery that's not been <laughs> around for thousands of years. But um, but but yeah, it just it changes everything, and it and it puts yeah. everything else, as you say, it puts everything else in perspective. Yeah, have yeah, you got a, a have you got a favorite um, since you've got into Bible geekery? 
has there been a particular book of the Bible or or story in the Bible that has really struck you in this last uh, year as you've been reading? This is probably going to sound really surprising and <laughs> maybe a little bit like weird. But where are I'm you really... going now? Song of Songs? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going there. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I've been really into the Old Testament actually, and reading the story of the Israelites um, wandering in the wilderness and kind of how God was so incredibly faithful during that time. And even though they made loads of stupid decisions and rebelled and did all this stuff that, you know, if I was God, I would have been like, see you later. But um, they did all this stuff. And yet God was so incredibly faithful and was with them and continued to have a plan and purpose for them. And I think for me, that's been kind of the story that I've kept going back to. And also, um, Moses as well as a leader, I think I'd never really thought before about how how challenging that situation must have been for him to kind of lead those people. And ultimately, he didn't end up in the promised land. Not, I mean, partly it was his fault, but it was also their fault. And yet he continued to follow to um, to lead them and to pray for them and to petition God for them. And I found that incredibly challenging. I'm not saying that you know, young people are like that or anything like that. Absolutely not. But I think just that, yeah, just seeing him as that leader who's just continuing to believe God and press into God for the people that he's leading. I think that's been something that I've really loved reading this time. And uh, it might feel like a weird place to start an interview about youth work and, uh, you know, in the last year, except anyone who knows you, Gemma, will know that this is like the stuff that brings you alive. And this is what you would always want to talk about. Uh, so if I let you, I'm yeah. sure we would spend the next half an hour talking about the sort of finer points of Ezekiel's visions and uh, what exactly <laughs> all that is about. But let's not do that because that's that could be yeah. a rabbit hole. Um, so. Uh, so, yeah. OK, so brilliant, brilliant stuff. What a great place to start. Um, talk us through a little bit of the journey that the uh, the local work in in Luton at Youthscape has gone through over the last year. So you know we had Jemima on. Let's let's not dwell on this too much. We had Jemima come on and talk very honestly about the first stuff you tried to do with online work and how that yeah. was a bit of a spectacular. <laughs> it was a bit of a spectacular failure, but a great yes, launch of other stuff. So <laughs> so let's talk about what happened next. Sure. Um, well, when we realised that young people weren't engaging online and that wasn't really working, we kind of went back to the drawing board and started thinking, OK, what really is the need? What do young people really want? What do they really need at the moment? Um, and I guess throughout the year, we've done um, two main projects that we've kind of run. And then in the middle of that, we did some schools work when we could actually go into schools um, and do some small groups and support with young people around mental and emotional well-being. But um, we, yeah, we ran two main projects kind of the, through the, I think it was the first lockdown. I've completely lost track of time over this past <laughs> year. So I've no idea when anything happened. But <laughs> I think it was during the first lockdown. Um, we did a project called Cook with Youthscape. And so we saw that this was the time when um, there were problem with, problems with getting vouchers for free school meals. And so we decided that actually there's a lot of young people in poverty within Luton. And also they don't really have much to do at home at this time. So we decided to put together packs um, for 12 weeks of 
ingredients to cook a meal with a recipe and a link to a video to tell the young people how to cook the recipe. So we delivered those to their houses and then the young people could cook a dinner for their entire family. Um, And so we did that for 12 weeks and that was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. We got so many so many great responses just of how young people had really enjoyed doing the cooking and um, really got into that and young people who hadn't really cooked at home before had started doing that and um, that was that was absolutely fantastic but also how that had really helped families as well who were struggling with having the money to provide food for their families and having a healthy meal and things like that so that was really brilliant Um, and that that was kind of crazy successful wasn't it so uh, yeah. You had to cap the number of people that, uh, you know, I mean, unsurprisingly, you were handing out free food, but you had yeah, to exactly. uh, you had to cap the numbers pretty quickly. And and that meant you were able to engage hundreds of people who'd never, ever been through the doors of, of Youthscape before. So as you as you reflect on that, I mean, do you think that was a good strategy? Like, you know, obviously, that's these are young people who have needs, but they've got no previous connection to Youthscape. So is there a hope then that you'll be able to build on that? I think we would like to. I think um, that project and another project that we did later, which I'm sure I'll talk about in a minute, um, we kind of had the opportunity to, I guess, get our name out there to young people who we haven't really engaged with before, as you said, who haven't been in the doors, who we haven't worked with necessarily in school. Um, And being able to build those connections and meet young people who we didn't know before, um, we really do hope that we can build on that. And whether that means that they come into Youthscape, it might not mean that. But it might mean that actually when we're in school and we see them and they recognise us or they recognise the name Youthscape, there's that link to have that connection where we can maybe start to have more of a conversation and try and connect them into other projects we do or into our drop-in. Um, so, yeah, there's that thing of, I guess, all these different links that sometimes will come together and God will use that to bring it all together and you can end up building a really amazing relationship with a young person who's been involved in Youthscape and heard of Youthscape in so many different ways, which is really cool. I guess it's a practical way of actually having a vision for your entire town. Like... Many of us work with young people in the area where we live, but we don't work with more than about one or two percent of the entire population of young people where we live. And going a bit wider like that sometimes, as you've done, you know, does, as you say, allow you to actually, uh, yeah, have a vision for reaching like the whole of the of the the youth community in the town, which in Luton must be, I don't know what. There's like 20,000 teenagers in Luton, aren't there? Something like that, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Hmm. Great. So uh, do you want to tell us a little bit um, about some of the other projects that you've done then over the last year? Yeah, so in the third lockdown, um, so that would have been... That would have been actually this year, 2021, at the beginning of 2021. Um, we ran another project, which is similar, as kind of similar idea to Cook to you cook with youthscape but it was using creative challenges instead of cookery so we realized that within by the time we got to the third lockdown young people were just so bored so bored felt like they had absolutely nothing to do getting really fed up of being stuck at home and all the restrictions which is completely understandable because I was exactly the same um and so by this time yeah we felt that 
actually doing something really fun and something where they could engage and do new things. And also we gave some opportunities for them to win some really cool prizes. And so that definitely um, piked a lot of interest. So, yeah, we ran a project for six weeks called Challenge Accepted. And we, um, we instead of delivering food parcels, we delivered a different creative challenge to their house each week with um, the kind of bits and pieces in the package to complete that challenge. So we had things like creative writing, um, sculpting, sculpting a keychain out of clay, photography. Uh, we did baking. I think we did painting. So yeah, a few different bits and pieces like that. But they didn't know what was going to show up until it arrived. Um, and they got to click on a link to a video and watch the video, which told them what to do. And then if they did their creative challenge within the week and then sent us a picture or a video of it, then they were in, in with um, a chance to win a prize that week. And so we had some really amazing prizes. We had, oh goodness, I'm trying to remember what we had. We had beats, really good phones. prizes, weren't they? Really yeah. good prizes. Yeah, Beats headphones. We had a takeaway for your whole family. Um, oh, goodness, I've completely forgotten. A brand new pair of trainers. Yeah, they were really good prizes, really, really good prizes. And then at the end of the six weeks, if a young person had submitted a piece of a creative piece every single week, they went into a draw to win an iPad, which was... Wow. Yeah, so that was a really awesome prize. So the girl who won that, she was absolutely over the moon. <laughs> she couldn't believe it. Um, so we saw really good engagement with that, which was really awesome. And young people who, when I'd call up and say, you've won a prize, they were so excited because they didn't have things like that at home. Like one boy, he won a bike and he was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I don't have a bike. This is so amazing. So yeah, that was incredible. How brilliant, how brilliant. So again, you've sort of seen that vision for the whole town come into to fruition rather than just the specific group of young people in front of us and it's it's hard to balance those things but I, I guess this is something that um but anyone any anyone in a local church context actually could could try to replicate in some way creating some sort of initiative for the wider community is not not something that you don't have to be able to afford an ipad um you know to be able to run something like this actually the the, the idea could be adapted quite well for for any context or size. So I think that's really exciting. Yeah. So tell us now, you, you know, we're, we're coming out of uh, lockdown as we speak. Um, we're starting to come at, through these last few stages of the restrictions. Um, you are back into some face-to-face -face youth work now of a similar order to the, the kind that we used to do last year. Um, so what's going on now? What are you doing now at Youthscape? So we've relaunched our after school drop in over the past couple of weeks. So our building's actually been closed to young people for a year. So as you said before, yes, we've done things that have kind of reached the whole town, but we haven't really been able to work with just, I guess, a smaller number of young people in a more intense way. And so it's been really exciting to reopen the doors and have some young people back who we did have some relationship with before the pandemic. And I mean, we have connected with them throughout, but not not in any way near the same way that we would have beforehand. So we've had our doors back open, um, obviously with all the restrictions in place, the face masks and the social distancing and the hygiene procedures and all that stuff. But we've had young people come into the building after school 
and we've we've reconnected with I mean it hasn't been a massive number it's been a fairly small number but it's been brilliant to to have those young people back and reconnect with them and start rebuilding those relationships again and um, we've been able to really have like some real deep conversations about what the past year has been like for them and how they've found it and um, the struggles of kind of being back at school and being in year 11 for a lot of them and having to do exams in kind of this crazy season and not being able to have prom and things like that. So that's been amazing to actually be able to be back in front of young people and build on those relationships again. And we're gonna we're hoping to continue on that and hopefully see more of those faces who we haven't seen for a while come back, but also connect with some new ones and potentially some of those we met through throughout the pandemic through some of these other projects. Uh, and then as I understand it, you're also we're 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 starting to do some detached work with young people as well. So what what does that look like? We are, yes. So we're doing it just once a week at the moment, but we're going out into kind of the local parks and local town centre and trying to connect with young people who might be hanging out in those spaces. Um, I mean, detached work is about mainly connecting with young people who are not likely to come into a centre, not likely to come to our drop-in, maybe we'll engage with some of our other projects if they're referred, but potentially we wouldn't see them unless we kind of went out and went to where they are. And so that's really exciting to be able to do that. I guess what we're looking to do is kind of broaden the number of young people that we can engage with. Um, but when we're doing detached work, we can build those relationships and actually it can lead to some um, amazing youth-led youth work. So projects that actually they feel like I'm I've got this need or there's this real need in our town and we want to be part of developing something um that kind of meets that or does something with that so that's really exciting and detached work is actually one of my one of my backgrounds I guess like what I've done before I came to Youthscape so I'm I'm looking forward to building on that we've only done one session so far so we'll see how that goes. And I was just going to uh, probably end us there, really. So you you um, you did come to Youthscape quite a few years ago now um, uh, from a, a, a statutory sector background. So how does that how does that compare? If I can ask, that's quite a hard question. But having worked in the statutory sector and now in the faith based sector, what are the what have you you know what do you observe between the differences between those two environments? How does that compare? I think I think it's not that different in a lot of ways. I think there's still that desire to meet young people's needs, to support them, to see them grow and develop. But I guess the understanding of what that looks like is slightly different. I think in the statutory sector, it's a lot more about um, social and emotional development, which, of course, is super important and part of holistic development is that is that as well so um but when you come into the faith-based sector there's also the spiritual aspect as well and you want to see young people grow in that way too and so I guess what's different is you can be a lot more overt about talking about those kinds of things and encouraging young people in faith um I mean just this week and I drop in I was talking to a young person who um, was about to have a conversation that they were really worried about and so I offered to pray for him and I got to pray with him and that was incredible which I wouldn't have been able to do in my old job but that doesn't mean that the mission wasn't still the same um, from my perspective so I don't think it is hugely different but I think that 
you can be a lot more overt in what you're doing and you can speak about God to young people more in this kind of space and pray with young people and yeah do that kind of thing so yeah I definitely I definitely I don't know if I don't know which I prefer I guess I prefer being able to talk about God because that's who I am I want to be able to talk about him but I yeah I think that both are very valid yeah and we we need we desperately need christians in the statutory sector and i think it's amazing to you know to have you as an example of someone who actually spent a long and successful period in the statutory sector and getting to know you as someone who's like a bible geek you know (laughs) hopefully just slightly challenges some perceptions about the differences between the, the two sectors and who's involved in them so so i think it's great that you're able to kind of represent that um thank you Gemma um so much for being part of the podcast today we really appreciated you sort of taking the time out um and uh, and hopefully things will stay consistent for a little while now so you can start to build on some of those brilliant projects that you described oh i love hearing Gemma talk about her passion for for youth work and just for the detached work like she's her and the team and Jemima have just been so conscientious during lockdown finding ways to keep in touch with young mm-hmm. people after that devastating everything comes to an end and I just love the new the new hope that they have and the new impetus that they're finding because it's hard one isn't it this is not mm-hmm. like well hey let's try something else this has been a tough year so I just thank you for that interview Absolutely. that was that was awesome can we say to, can we say to our lovely listeners Martin because we used to always say this pre-covid can we say to them come and visit us like when when can we say to everybody come to youthscape and hang out we can definitely uh we can definitely start to think about that now yes yes bring your teams come hang out with us come and have a coffee come and see the uh, detached team at work if you can with binoculars that's a bit odd but come and hang out with us yeah, at don't some do point, that. or at least yeah don't do that just at least prepare Wonderful. So as we uh, as we culminate and shut this thing down and deal with the fallout of the line of duty that we now know, but at this very moment don't know, how how are you going to encourage your team, Martin? How how could we encourage this wonderful team tuning in to lean mm. into this next season? What 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 mm. is it that we feel? Let's not lose lose sight of, and let's yeah. and let's run after. I think that's a really good question. And I want to remind myself of what I was saying a few months ago, because I still think it's absolutely true. The biggest discovery for me in this last year um, has been uh, that when when we try to orient our programs around fun and entertainment, we are essentially entering into a competitive process that we cannot win because we are up against Disney Plus, and call of duty not line of duty uh and 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 all those other things that are just way bigger budget and frankly more entertaining than we are um when that's the basis of our ministry when we're trying to say look just choose us for an hour a week please we won't give you too much you know god stuff and it'll be really fun we promise like that is the key to um dwindling youth groups in every sense um what I what I really learned during the sort of um, uh, the back end of last year was that when you offered young people a simple and non sort of weird opportunity to just engage with Jesus and to sit in the presence of God and spend some time in the reverent space of church 
and just open themselves up to the possibility of God being present in their lives. Like not only did some amazing things happen, but they felt like they'd come home and they felt like this was somewhere they wanted to be and they needed to be and they belonged. And so um, so I hope that going forward, that becomes the bedrock of my youth ministry and everybody else is not um, not trying to entertain them and, and making sure it's light enough that they'll want to come back, but making it deep enough and real enough and connected with Jesus at the center enough um, that they they realize this is like that. This is the most important part of their week. This is the anchor for everything else. So um, I hope that's what I do. I will probably also try and find out about that game you were talking about as well, which sounds enormous fun. So, you know, I, I'm sure I won't get it always right. And I'm sure if you come to my youth group, you won't always see, every, you know, a, a, a circle of bowed heads. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but you've just got to get the balance right. And if you're trying to make it fun, you're just not as fun as Disney+. Plus. Yes, yes, that you have more to offer than just fun. Yeah. Um, I was listening to our lovely boss, Chris Curtis, talking yesterday, and he reminded me of something that I think is good for us all to hold on to, which is before COVID, we knew that successful youth ministry wasn't 100 plus teenagers. We knew that in our heads, but we still had this notion that we, at least 50 plus, then we're like, kicking on gas um and that is great because there are so many young people that need to hear about jesus i'm not i'm not saying let's not have an audacious goal but um pre-covid we did some research at the youthscape and discovered that the average church that's doing discipleship with young people they are averaging between eight and twelve young people and the norm is more towards eight rather than twelve so even before covid the average youth group that was doing meaningful discipleship was actually quite small um, and i think as we come out of this Let's really maximise that small because you can really disciple young people when you know their name and the details of their lives. And so let's not hold ourselves back from doing the things and engaging with the community and, and putting on the big events that's going to draw lots. And, you know, but let's not dismiss that actually probably what we need to do is the small really, really well and equip those young people to share Jesus and so there's a church that I was chatting to recently, and before lockdown, they'd have about 80 teenagers literally kicking off in their building every Friday night, causing utter mayhem. And they thought, well, at least they're coming. At least they're coming. Maybe somehow by osmosis, they're learning some great stuff about Jesus, but all we're doing is shouting at them and, and then giving them lots of sugar. And then during lockdown, one of the mums of one of the girls died. And what, what broke the hearts of the youth work volunteers was none of them could work out who this girl was. She'd been coming every single Friday night, but because they had just been managing crowd control, none of them could remember her face or her name. And that was like a wake up call for this church. Like we might have 80 kids that we're screaming at on a Friday night. We'd rather have eight that we know and love and then we can grow. So I think now is a good time to maybe maybe pop some of those unhelpful bubbles in our heads absolutely, um, and do it differently. And let's yeah. pray 100 in. Let's pray 100 in, absolutely. But... Let's not dismiss yeah. the six. Mm. Brilliant, Rachel. Um, well, that is a good way to end this season. A good thought with which to end this season of the Youthscape podcast. We are back in the studio in just a few weeks' time, actually in person recording the next series. If you've appreciated this season of uh, the Youthscape podcast, we'd love to ask you to do a few things. Don't switch off yet, please. <gasps> That's the first thing. Um it would be really helpful to us if you would write us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast platform that accepts reviews. 
Uh, it would be wonderful if you would be prepared to tell your friends about the Eastgate podcast, um, because most people start listening to podcasts because of recommendations. So it would be great if you could let people know that this is worth listening to, um, if indeed you feel it is. Um, and, uh, and if you are so inclined, you could join me and the many others who are um, sponsoring us on Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash youthscape. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Um, and you can sponsor us for like a dollar a month. Um, and that is no money at all. It's not no money at all, but it's not very much money. Even that is a massive encouragement to us. We used the Patreon money that we'd amassed over the last year or two to buy new equipment. So we do put it back into um, the podcast. But if you want to sponsor and get behind us, that would be much appreciated. We sew it back into the ministry, don't we? We do we sew, sew it back. Sew it in. <laughs> oh, gosh. I feel I like ministry we're... is too... It's too grand a word, really, isn't it, what we do? <laughs> Those are the sorts of phrases that would cause you to be investigated by, uh, <laughs> by the branch of JC12 that I'm going to be leading. Um, <laughs> that's, that's probably the right way to end. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this season of the Uscape podcast. We'll be back soon with another one. I was Martin Saunders. She was Rachel Gardner. Goodbye. And we love you.